Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions, and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. Hi, this is Professor Chapman. Recently we've been doing some Facebook Live sessions where I've been answering questions from the listeners and participants. What you're about to hear now is some audio of those segments and I hope they'll be useful for you. I have a question, Prof. I believe there was a clinic in Japan that only did frozen cycles. Is that correct? Or well, there are clinics in Australia who only do frozen cycles. So um, you know, there's a Queensland clinic that do it routinely because they believe and the data supports it. You know, they've got good pregnancy rates. And what it means is that a patient knows when they're going to have the embryo transferred. Um, it occurs at you know, normal working hours and the pregnancy rates are just as good so why not i mean there are some studies that might even suggest that frozen embryos are better than fresh do you participate in clinical trials and if i'm eligible will i be able to participate i'd, I'd love you to be involved in clinical trials we have a couple of go- ongoing ones at ivf australia at the moment one is looking at the use of artificial intelligence to look at the photographs we take of embryos every 15 minutes. And we look at them from a, a scientific point of view. The scientist looks at them and goes, mm, that's hitting the right number of, of cell divisions in the right time. Mm, that's looking like a good embryo on day five. What we've been able to breed is a, an artificial intelligence system, which we believe may be better than the scientist's eye. And so we're currently doing a randomised controlled trial of that to prove that it works. And that's why, you know, the involvement of patients in clinical trials will help move forward the science of IVF. So, yes, that's, that's one trial. Another that's coming up is looking at the, the medication we use during the time of the egg collection, whether one might be better than another. So, you know, we are very interested in doing randomised trials uh, and looking at the, all the aspects that might make marginal differences to the chances of success for future uh, women going through cycles. Yeah, no, it's a vital part. And Prof, I remember you shared with us a very interesting story about a young man from University of New South Wales that was behind some of this artificial intelligence stuff, which is very exciting and inspiring. Yeah, that, that's what led to this, this proper randomised controlled trial, which will be a world first. When undergoing IVF, will egg retrieval be performed at your office or through the outpatient clinic at the hospital? Certainly if you come to IVF Australia in our premium service, it's done in a day surgery setting with a light general anaesthetic. You come in an hour before the procedure or you'll be home an hour and a half after the procedure, which takes about 20 minutes. In our other clinic, uh, the what's called the light clinics, the, the, the fertility centre, they do it under a, a gas sedation. Um, and you're actually out of up and out within half an hour, um, has the potential to be more uncomfortable for you during the procedure, but it certainly reduces you know, the need for a proper anaesthetic. 
and, and, and many clinics do it that way. Certainly internationally it's done in not quite in people's offices but in a procedural room. If you see me, I'll probably do it under a, a general anaesthetic. So it does vary. Uh, are the results any different? Probably not. I suppose my, my view is that a general anaesthetic is better. Uh, many, many years ago, I, when I was in the UK, I ran a public service in the Guy's Hospital where we did them under a sedation, very light, you know, give a tablet, and that was about it, painkiller and, and diazepam. And then if they failed to get pregnant in the public sector because we were only limited to three cycles, they had to go to the private sector where we did it under the general anaesthetic. And one of my students did a survey of all the patients that went through both services and 98% said, I would prefer to be asleep in the future. So I'm biased by that finding. I, I, I think from a patient's point of view, being under a GA is, is probably better. And as a clinician, I think I can get in difficult patients in particular, where the ovaries are a bit more far away or their adhesions, I think I can get more eggs uh, when a patient's asleep than when they're awake. Donna says, do you always do embryo transfers under ultrasound? I've had both different specialists and wondered which is best. This is controversial. And as an old boy uh, who never did it under ultrasound and looking at the data that says maybe it's better. I'm still not convinced as someone that's very, very experienced. So most of the studies have been done by keen young people uh, looking at the at ultrasound as an option. And in their hands, ultrasound has helped them. I think it depends on the experience of the operator. I mean, the American Society of Reproductive Medicine, very important, August group, say ultrasound should be used. They base that However, I still believe on evidence that's not totally convincing. A big study out of the UK from senior people showed there was no difference. There are, however, a number of other studies that suggest it may make a slight difference. Personally, I still don't use ultrasound specifically to help me do it. If a woman has a normal uterus, as we've, we know from previous ultrasounds or during the scanning process during a cycle, if they have a normal uterus, I can tell by feel that where I am in terms of the of where I'm putting the embryo. So our protocol from our from IVF Australia does include ultrasound, but protocols are for everybody, not necessarily for the individual. So I'm justifying my position. Perhaps it makes a difference, but it's pretty marginal. Elisa says, "Hi, my name is Elisa. I've been trying to get pregnant. I'm 42 years old." I've done the pregnant test, nothing there. 42 immediately raises the issue of egg quality. Sadly, biology, nature, whatever you want to call it, God even, has determined that eggs are the fastest ageing cell in the body. And so by 42, I know that any embryo that I create from you has a 85 to 90% chance of being genetically abnormal because of the egg itself. The egg has an incompetence uh, that grows with age in relation to the lining up of the chromosomes. And that's the problem we face. That's why, you know, women trying on their own at 42 uh, in 12 months have something like a 15% chance of being pregnant. When they were 30, it was something like 90%. And that's all about egg 
quality. Can we improve egg quality? No. But with IVF, if we if you have eggs in the ovary and we stimulate you and we produce multiple eggs, then the more eggs we get, the more chance there is that one of those is going to be one of those good ones, one without chromosome abnormalities. So IVF does carry some extra benefit from that perspective. It doesn't mean that every 42-year-old needs to go to IVF, but to maximise your chances of pregnancy, really that's where we're probably heading. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him, michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.